Are you willing to examine the traditions and doctrines that you trust in for your eternal salvation? Welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I am Don Britton and I will be your host. I will be comparing the modern traditions and doctrines of American Christianity with what the scriptures actually say. You may be shocked to find out that much of what is commonly believed in American Christianity today is nothing more than myths handed down to us by men. So please join me now with an open mind. Hello and welcome back to another Great Deception Podcast. I'm Don Britton and I will be your host. Today I'm going to examine the practice of tithing for the church to see if it's really biblical or just another tradition of men. From the multitude of sermons I've heard on tithing, you would get the impression that God has has filled the whole Bible with hundreds of verses on paying the tithe. But the fact is that there's only 31 verses in the whole Bible that talk about the tithe, and almost all of them are in the Old Testament, and all of them are associated with Old Testament Jewish law. It seems in some churches that a tithing message comes up every few Sundays as if it's one of the main things that God has, has on his mind. Many Christians have been beaten down with this message and left to feel guilty if for some reason they couldn't come up with the 10% to put in the plate. It seems that many preachers stress that the tithe should be paid even before a past due mortgage is paid or an unexpected medical expense. But what is the tithe and to whom is it to be paid? What is the purpose of the tithe? Does it have anything to do with the church today? Did anyone in the New Testament church ever pay tithes? Did the Apostle Paul instruct any of the churches to pay tithes? I was always told that I had to pay my tithes. That is, that everybody in the church told, that's what everybody in the church told me. That's what every preacher told me. I've heard it from every pastor, preacher, evangelist, prophet, and even every Christian financial counselor I've ever even listened to. I have heard so much on tithing from preachers that I used to get the impression that God was more concerned with tithing and giving than he was with just about anything else, including sin. In fact, I used to have the impression that the subject of tithing was all over the Bible, that it was one of the main topics of the New Testament even. That is, I had that impression until I studied it out for myself. So is the law of tithing a requirement for a Christian who is led by the Holy Spirit in his giving? Or is it just another tradition handed down to us from the teachings of men? Isaiah 29, 13 says this, And their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Now, rote is just thoughtless repetition, just doing the same thing again and again without even thinking about it. Remember that tradition learned by rote is religious tradition learned by doing the same things over and over again and again as you go through the same old motions week after week, without giving any serious thought as to why you're doing it. Why don't church members ask their pastor, teacher, or prophet why they teach law and grace at the same time? Isn't the tithe of the law and isn't grace of Christ? Why do men who have a doctorate degree or Bible college degree in theology, why do they teach this? But week after week, virtually every church in America is tithing over and over again because of the teachings of pastors and of our modern preachers. So what does the Bible really say about the tithe? First of all, we need to find out what the tithe is and why it was needed. Leviticus 27.30 says, Thus all the tithe of the land and of the seed of the land and of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's and it is holy to the Lord. 
Numbers 18, 21 says, And to the sons of Levi, they're the priests, Behold, I have given all the tithe of Israel for an, for an inheritance in return for their service, which they perform the service of the tent of meeting. Numbers 18, 24. For the tithe of the sons of Israel, which they offer as an offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore, I have said concerning them, they have no inheritance. That is, they're not allowed to own land. That's what he means when he says they have no inheritance among the sons of Israel. So since they don't have their own land, they have to have a way to eat because land produces food. It produces the land is used for livestock. The land is used for everything pertaining to life. Deuteronomy 14, 22. You shall surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year. Now, these four scriptures I've just read obviously make it clear that the tithe was something to eat. So it's obvious that it was also given to the Levitical priests who serve in the tent of meeting and later on in the temple. The Levites were not allowed to own land by which they could raise livestock and crops, livestock and crops for food. Therefore, they were to eat from the tithe of the crops and the livestock, which was donated to them by everyone else. Take note of this fact. The tithe was never money. The tithe was not about money. It was always produce, livestock, and some kind of food to eat. And the main purpose of the tithe was to feed the Levites because they had no land to produce their own food. And it was also used in the Old Testament to help widows and orphans and sometimes in those situations. But there was another way, which you probably haven't heard, that the tithe was to be used. Deuteronomy 14, verses 23 through 26. Listen to this. And you shall eat that is the tithe, they're talking about the tithe, you shall eat, that's your tithe, in the presence of the Lord your God at the place where he chooses to establish his name, the tithe of the grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock, in order that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the distance is so great for you that you're not able to bring the tithe, that is all that food and produce that you have, since the place where you, the Lord your God chooses to set his name is too far away from you, when the Lord your God blesses you, then you shall exchange it for money and bind the money in your hand and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses and you may spend the money for whatever your heart desires for oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink or whatever your heart desires and there you shall eat, that is, eat the tithe in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice you and your household. Now, have you ever heard that message before? Have you heard your pastor or the TV evangelist tell you not to send the money to them or not to put it in the offering plate, but to actually go and get with your family and take that tithe and rejoice before the Lord? Has anyone ever preached that sermon to you before? I bet they haven't. Again, it is obvious that the tithe was never money since it had to be exchanged for money in order to make the trip. And since some preach the tithe as if it's for today, shouldn't they also tell you about this part of the tithe, the law, about this part of the law of the tithe that you don't always have to bring your tithe to them, to the preacher, to the church, to the evangelist, but sometimes you're supposed to eat and enjoy the tithe with your family and rejoice? Why did, why did they not tell you about that one? 
So more than likely, you've never heard a sermon teaching you, teaching you that you could take your own tithe and spend it on yourself and your family in order to rejoice before the Lord so that you would learn to fear the Lord your God. You see, the Lord is the one who gives you everything, and he can take it away from you as well. So do you wonder why your pastor never uses this verse on tithing? Did you know that there are 66 books in the Bible with 1,189 chapters? Did you also know that out of these 1,189 chapters, there are 31,173 verses containing roughly 800,000 words? Consider this, out of the 800,000 Hebrew and Greek words used, only 37 times do we find the words tithe, tithes, or tithing in the whole Bible, and in only 31 verses in the Bible. That is not the impression most preachers leave about tithing, and those 37 words in 31 verses are only found in 16 scriptural locations in the whole Bible. In addition to that, only four of those locations are found in the New Testament, and none of these are instructing us as a church to pay tithes. None of them. Did you also know that there is no record in the Bible of any church member ever paying tithes? So who started that tradition? It certainly wasn't, it certainly wasn't Jesus or any of the apostles. Did you know that there is no instruction written by any of the apostles to any of the churches to collect tithes or for any member to pay tithes? None, no, zip, no instruction. It's not in the Bible. So why would the tithing of crops and livestock then be needed any longer since the Levitical priesthood was abolished with the death of Jesus? Why would we need that anymore? I mean, that went away with Jesus, the death of Jesus. Why would tithing be needed any longer since everyone now is allowed to own his own land or his own business or whatever, whatever it takes for him to provide his own food? And since Jesus abolished the priesthood and he abolished temple sacrifice and temple worship, he also eliminated the need for the storehouse that's referred to in Malachi to keep the crops and livestock in that would be eaten by the Levitical priests who are no longer in office and then given also to widows and orphans. That's not the way it's done. That's completely eliminated. So it's no wonder that no one in the New Testament ever collected tithes, paid tithes, or taught anyone to do either. So why do so many churches today teach that we have to pay tithes? Could it be that the, that the traditions and teachings of men have again invalidated the word of God just as the scripture said they would? Could it be that this teaching is self-serving to most preachers to fulfill their own goals including securing their own income and funding the many programs they want to do, or maybe it's just to build a big and expensive building to bring glory to themselves. Do you think it might be for something like that, possibly? Do you ever wonder why most all tithe teachers of today only use the verses in Malachi to teach about the tithe, leaving out all the other ones already mentioned? Let's look at Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10. He says, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food. I want to emphasize food, something to eat, not money, in my storehouse or in my house to bring food into my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, 
if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So the storehouse was in the temple building, which we don't have anymore. And the tithe was kept there to feed the Levites, which we don't have anymore, who were serving there. So what does that have to do with the church today? Aren't we the temple of God now? Why do ministers still preach law and grace at the same time? Isn't it really about the money? Money for programs, money for buildings, and even especially money for the preacher's salaries and living expenses, and even sometimes for mansions and private jets. How about that? And since the tithe never was about money to begin with, and since the priesthood has been abolished and the storehouse is no longer used, why then would any modern preacher teach a Christian believer that he has to tithe? That is, if the preacher actually used the Bible to teach from, unless it's just about the desire for money, because it certainly is not about the truth. Remember, the tithe was never about money, but was always about food for the temple priest and the needy. So the lie of the tithe has two parts to it. The first part of the lie is that the tithe is money. It wasn't money, it was food. The second part of the lie is that the tithe is for Christians. It wasn't for Christians, it was for the Levitical priests that are done away with. But are we ever to give? Of course we are, but not according to the letter of the law. Let each man be led by the Spirit and give as he is purposed in his own heart. And we should be careful to what and to whom we give our money. Our giving should be as it was done in the early church, led by the Holy Spirit and was mostly directed to help those people in need and it was never to pay preachers. Right, it was never to pay preachers. Today, it could also be used, money could also be used uh, by the church to spread the word of God. It shouldn't be used for fancy buildings, though, and it, sh it shouldn't be used for useless religious programs and for paying preachers and making televangelists rich. It shouldn't be used for that. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Paul said this, let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So yeah, there's a place to give. You see, this is a heart thing though. It's not a law thing. The law causes people to give under compulsion. Giving under compulsion is when you have to give under pressure, out of force, or out of a fear of being cursed. That's compulsion. That's not the way he wants us to give. He wants us to give from the heart. This is exactly what the tithe preachers have been doing all along, putting pressure on members to pay the tithe using the book of Malachi to threaten members into giving or being cursed. They have been using fear and guilt to extort money out of members for centuries. This is not the way of Jesus and is not the way of any godly shepherd. For all those who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, Romans 8, 14. So if you're being led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So giving is a heart thing directed by the Holy Spirit and tithing is a law thing for the, purpose, for the purposes we've already mentioned. I cannot believe that the Spirit of God would have you to give your money to a church or a preacher when you first need to feed your family or pay your mortgage. Or, or take care of a medical expense. Or even when you see someone in need, someone who that you know that needs help and you chose to help them. I cannot believe 
that God would have you to go throw your money in the offering plate of a church or throw it into a ministry to help someone get rich. Galatians 3, 10 through 12 says this, For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by the things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident. For the righteous man shall live by faith, however the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. So, since tithing is one of the works of the law, you are actually in danger of being cursed if you try to please God by paying the tithe as a legal obligation of 10%, being under compulsion by trying to keep the law rather than giving as the Spirit leads you by faith. The preachers who preach and collect tithes are committing an evil act by putting members under the threat of the curse of the law and by teaching a great falsehood for their own benefit. So why would you tithe according to the letter of the law since it is not giving by faith but is only legalism practiced by rote? Also, why would you not give according to the leading of the Holy Spirit by faith? Who did Jesus and the apostles teach us to give to anyway? Was it not the poor and the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who were in need? We were never taught to give to preachers anywhere in the Bible. We should only give to anyone the Holy Spirit leads us to, but not according to a law imposed on us by preachers. We should also give some money to the true church. The true church does need finances for the cost of promoting the gospel, as well as the cost of a simple meeting place, and a few expenses that go with that, and also some money to help the poor. The true church does not need to have a paid staff, but only sincere volunteers. There were no paid ministers or paid staff members in the new church. There was no such thing as a paid minister of music, or paid youth minister, or paid associate pastor, or paid pastor in the New Testament church. These things didn't even exist. Even the money collected then in the New Testament church was used for helping those in need, like widows, the poor and orphans, and people who were disadvantaged. But it was never used for paying preachers or building fancy buildings. So obviously, the modern teachings on tithing are nothing more than falsehood. They are teachings of men that have been handed, handed down to us for the purposes of men. This tradition has robbed many widows and poor people by extorting money from them, money they often could not afford to pay, by preachers who falsely teach that they must obey the law or they will be cursed. Sadly, many dear souls who struggle to make a mortgage payment or feed their children are under the same false impression that they must give 10% of what they earn to the church, to the pastor, so the pastors and preachers can be paid and build fancy buildings for their own glory. This false teaching has resulted in many feeling guilty or fearful of being cursed as well as coming under condemnation for feeding their own children and paying for their home first when they did not have enough left over to pay the 10% to the church. This modern teaching on the tithe is outrageous and it's a great lie. Jesus would never rob or pressure the poor or anybody for money, nor did any of the apostles make anyone feel guilty for not quote-unquote paying the tithe. None of the apostles ever even mentioned the tithe. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, even for a pretense you make long prayers, therefore, there, therefore you shall receive greater condemnation. Matthew twenty-three fourteen. 
So how many widows' houses and poor people's limited and needed incomes have been robbed by the tithe teachers? Have you ever wondered if the preaching on the tithe has anything to do with the preachers being paid? That raises another question. Are preachers supposed to be paid? Is it biblical to pay preachers? I'm going to address that in the very next podcast, but not now. So here's another point about pastors and tithes. Often pastors judge people by whether, that is the people in their church, by whether they pay their tithes or not. I know personally of a case where a pastor actually sent a bill for his for the tithes of an absentee member uh, like it was an accounts receivable in a business. I know of another case where a pastor would not visit a critically ill member of his church at the hospital because she had not paid all of her tithes. I know of another case where a pastor would not allow a godly poor church member who was really struggling financially to teach a Bible study, which was in his heart to do at the church because he was behind on his tithes. I also know of a pastor who first checked the church records when a certain member of the church began having to see, he checked the records to see if this member was current with his tithes. When that member began to have a, a crisis going on in his life, and when that member was found to be late on his tithes, the pastor blamed him for the trouble he was in because he was saying that he's cursed because he hadn't paid all of his tithes to the church. Jesus said, do not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing concerning your giving. It is not the pastor's business as to what anyone is given, but only God's. Jesus instructed us to give in secret and to not be noticed by others. Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4, Jesus said this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be done in secret and your your father who sees in secret, sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So did you notice that Jesus did not mention anything about giving to a pastor or a church, but did mention about giving to the poor twice in this scripture? Did you also notice that Jesus gave instruction to do your giving in secret so others would not be aware of what you gave and to whom you gave it? Have you ever noticed how many pastors will buddy up to their big tither member? You know, when they, when someone comes into the church and joins the church who owns a nice business and has got plenty of money, or has a really or has a great job with lots of income. Have you ever noticed how they'll buddy up to that big? They call them big tither. The church, the pastor, the pastors like big tithers. You know, as someone who just makes a lot of money, and the pastor really wants to get close to him. Have you ever noticed how exciting a pastor will be when he, when uh, when they get a financially well-to-do person even visit their church, especially join their church? They get so excited. And then compare, if you've seen that, then compare that, how the pastor acts over the big tither, then compare that to the way the, that same pastor treats a poor person who has little or nothing to give. Why do you think there's a difference? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever noticed it? Isn't it really just about the money? I challenge you to think about it and look for yourself. 
Is this the way of Jesus Christ? Do you now have the courage, after what I've just shared, to ask your pastor why he preaches and collects the tithe at your church? If you do, don't expect it to go very well. I once wrote an article in a local Christian magazine on the myth of the tithe. This magazine was, dis was distributed to most local churches as well as to other public places. Many of the pastors got very upset with the publisher of the magazine for allowing me to write that article, even though I put the scriptures in the article to support everything I said. They were, they were so upset that they threatened to ban the publisher from placing any more magazines in their churches if he ever allowed me to write another article for his magazine again. So why do you think they were so upset? Of course, you figured it out. It's all about the money and had nothing to do with the truth. Their false financial source, that is the tithe, was threatened when I wrote the truth about it in that article. They couldn't any longer hold the threat of the curse over their members, the curse of the law, if they were not to pay all their tithe because the members now would know the truth. And they were very, very concerned about that. This is why Jesus called them hirelings in John chapter 10. They're the ones who came to steal, kill, and destroy. And for more on that particular subject, you need to listen to last week's podcast because I explained who it was to come, that came to steal, kill, and destroy. And in that scripture, it was not the devil. It was the hired false pastors the shepherds of God's sheep, that shepherd for money. This is who came to steal, kill, and destroy. Check it out. So how would you judge the modern teaching on giving and tithing today? Is it a biblical truth or myth? I hope you listen next week to another great deception podcast and hear what I have to say about preachers who take money for preaching. Thank you for listening to the Great Deception Podcast. You may visit my website at www.christianmyths.org for more information, for my blog and for my email address. You can also get my book, The Great Deception of American Christianity Without Christ, on Amazon or on my website. Also on my website, you may download two free chapters of my book. I hope you join me next week as we continue to examine The Great Deception.